0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Branching Out. It is Monday, May 1st. My name is David Lopez. I'm the producer, and I'm hosting this week, and I'm joined with our Thousand Oaks Acorn editor, Becca Whitnall. Becca?
1: Hey, David. How's it going?
0: Good morning. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good.
0: Good, good, good. Um, so let's just jump into it. We're here to discuss how what being a journalist looks like when you get breaking news. Okay. And and we're going to discuss that breaking news. Obviously, um, Becca, this is when I came to you and said, "Hey, I want to discuss this." And um, so, kind of frame, if you could, this the story. Obviously, I'm talking about the tragic loss of Wesley Welling, yes, the Westlake High School student. And there's a whole story around that, Becca. Give me a synopsis, explain to me the whole story of what, of what happened that day, if you could.
1: Sure. Do you want me to go into starting from, you know, from my perspective or just kind of the facts of the situation? Let's
0: start with the facts. Of this. Let's, okay. let's let's recap the story for people who may not know.
1: righty. Um, so last week, April 18th, it was a Tuesday, uh, Austin, and I'm going to apologize because I don't exactly know how to say his last name. It's E-I-S, so it's either Ease or Ice. Okay. So a uh, 24-year-old Austin Ice, who uh, has been identified by the police as transient, uh, went into a Walmart in Simi Valley on Cochrane at about 2.40 p.m. Okay. And allegedly threatened employees with a knife at some point actually stabbed an employee, used tear gas, which I think was pepper spray, but but the law says tear gas, you know, any of the sprays. Um, and what we heard was grabbed a female employee by the hair and kind of dragged her. Anyhow, he left. By the time police came, he was gone, but people got a description of his car. It was a white Toyota Okay. And um with a messed up front bump or of some some sort. He next drove to Camarillo, Shade Tree Way. And it's what I think of the new part of Camarillo, <laughs> but anything, you know, that's not 30 years old is new to me. <laughs> but it's that south side of, of Camarillo by the Great Big Park, right off the freeway there for people familiar. Um He arrived, so he went into, the call for the Walmart thing happened at about 2.40. By 3.20, they got the call in Camarillo. He'd entered his parents' house and was causing some kind of disturbance there. He left there, and the DA's complaint said he was waving a BB gun. So he left there, and by 3.40 is when the tragic accident occurred or a collision occurred. Uh, on Thousand Oaks Boulevard near Lakeview Canyon. And he veered off the road. Police and the DA say it was on purpose. And there's kind of a green strip right next to the road. It went up on that, hit a bus stop, was a covered bus stop with seats. And people who were waiting at the bus stop, including Wesley, um, at some point, his car flipped and came to came to a stop. He ended up hitting and injuring three people and killing Wesley Welling.
0: Later that night, we learned, or, or the police said that they believed that it was an intentional
1: act. Right? Yeah. Um, sometime that night, the police came out. or Yeah, late that early that evening, late afternoon. The police gave their first press conference and said that it was intentional, and mm-hmm. that's when we learned that one student had died and and that's when we learned this was all connected out on the scene, we'd been hearing rumors but but that's when they confirmed that it, this was a single
0: person which for for a news organization like us that covers Simi Valley, Camarillo. Thousand Oaks, and and Westlake Village, it's not often we get breaking news that covers
1: right. that scope, yeah, that's something. I, th- I think the last time probably was borderline in the Woolsey and Hills fires all coming at once. Yeah. That's the last I can remember big uh, news hitting all of us. Uh,
0: and, and I know there's not much because it hasn't been that long since the story, but is there any update to that story where we are today as we record?
1: Um, there, he, only in that, um, he did go before the judge. He being. Oh, I'm sorry. A, East okay. ice. Okay. <laughs> Austin. Okay. Um, went to court April 20th. He made an appearance via video, which is not unusual. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of people say, well, he didn't even come to That's, that's pretty standard in the cases we cover. Um,
0: is that a post-COVID thing, or is that?
1: Yeah, pr- it, okay. yeah, and I think probably it's a time-saving thing for so, them. Yeah, they don't have to transport. Yeah, I mean, for for the courts, they don't have to transport people. But mm-hmm. I think it came around really during COVID, okay, okay. and okay. something they kept. So uh, he appeared before Jan- Judge Nancy Ayers. One thing that that was kind of a big deal: his bail had been set temporarily at five million dollars. She revoke that, denied bail, saying that it's for the protection of the public. Um, the DA, so, so the police will arrest on suspicion of whatever they want, but what actually is charged is is determined by the DA. So they charged him with murder, four counts of assault with a deadly weapon, three counts of brandishing a knife, use of tear gas, commercial burglary, false imprisonment, and residential burglary. Um, He did not enter a plea, which, again, if we're for big crimes or big accusations, is not unusual. But uh, the case was continued to May 15th. Mm -hmm. So that's happened. And then um, I don't know that they're good things per se because we're talking about such a horrible incident, but um, there was a vigil last week uh well by the time you hear that this two weeks, two weeks yeah. we're, we're recording on the friday before the yeah. monday uh so on april 19th at calvary community church just about 400 ish i'm horrible at estimating crowd crowd sizes but i would have said i would guess about 400 people were there and it, it was the night following the collision um One thing I found touching uh, is the lead pastor asked all the Westlake High School students in attendance to stand and look around the room and just let them know all these people are here for you, and we support you, we love you, we back you, we lift you, Mm -hmm. so I thought that was pretty neat. And then uh, there was um, a fundraiser and just a community support event at the canyon uh, on April twenty third, Sunday, and probably another four hundred to five hundred people came. Uh, well, there was silent auction mm-hmm. and and such, and then. Uh,
0: I also to the GoFundMe. I, I was checked. Say the yeah,
1: Go, and there's a GoFundMe. Um,
0: I checked yesterday and it was at, at over $250,000.
1: Yeah, this morning so, okay. it's at right just a hair below 257. Okay. And that's to support Wesley's family.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, Canyon fundraiser was to support all the families um even the students who were injured which uh, there were two girls, a 15 and a 16 mm-hmm. year old and a boy, 16.
0: Okay, Becca, so thank you so much for, for giving us the first 10 minutes of this episode to that story and kind of updating it and giving us all the context uh, for the discussion that I want to have with you now. And, and that's really you as a journalist, as an editor, and as a human and kind of what this experience was like. You, um, you were the one that, was on, that went on scene for the Acorn uh, at Thousand Oaks Boulevard
1: yeah I am um, <laughs> Tuesdays we start laying out the the uh Thousand Oaks paper and the acorn or we we call we refer to our original paper that covers Westlake Village all the way to Calabasas as the acorn so if I call it that just for listeners, you know the difference. but on Tuesdays, we lay those papers out, mm-hmm. and I had just finished laying the paper out, and I got actually I got a text from one of um, from someone who used to work for the acorn and I didn't see it because Tuesdays are a little crazy and I generally don't answer my phone look at emails as I'm just trying to get the paper out so one of uh, the other employees here came in and said becca have you looked at your texts? Mm -hmm. did you see your text from Kim? And I said, no. She said, Kim says you have to look at your text. So I picked up my phone and there was a message that there had been a bad accident. So that's how I found out about it. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And and as you, so you find out about it, then you head over there.
1: Yeah. I, you know, kind of verified something's going on and, and, I was done laying out the paper, so, and I was close by. I so, figured out the, the way that I could park probably closest to.
0: That's actually what I was going to ask you. Where, where <laughs> do you park in a, in, in a situation like that?
1: Well, I, I had learned that much of that, you know, the stretch of Thousand Oaks Boulevard was close to traffic. So I thought, okay, how do I, how do I get somewhere close? Yeah, this is kind of a stupid detail probably to include, but as a reporter, I always kept tennis shoes in my car. Okay. As an editor, I figured I didn't need them. And so when I had my car detailed, they just never put them back. So I, <laughs> I was concerned at the time, not knowing how serious it was that I would have to walk in very uncomfortable shoes meant for the office, not for the street. So I wanted to park close. And um, I figured if I go around the back way through Westlake and up Lake View Canyon, that I'd probably be able to park at least in, you know, one of those industrial kind of buildings. So that's what I did. Although it turned out I could park on the street and just walk up a few blocks. And when I got there, immediately I could see the overturned Camry. Mm -hmm. And that was about it as far as the accident scene. There were a ton of police cars, um, a ton of police personnel, Ventura County Sheriff personnel, and um, Canal Valley Unified folks on the scene. And so I could talk with them, with the the school district people, but they couldn't say anything at the time. So we waited and waited, trying to find um, a public information officer on scene to talk with. To, to see what facts we could get. And we still didn't know that this had been a fatal collision for some time.
0: How long did it take until you realized that you were dealing with a fatality at that point?
1: Oh gosh, I probably wasn't seen um, in my mind's eye. It's probably longer than... Than it actually was, but I feel like it was probably about an hour or so, hour and a half. They finally wrangled up the the media and told us to gather and kind of off. Actually, not that far from the scene, but off off the scene in a parking lot of one of the buildings across the street from the high school, and that's that's when they spoke.
0: So, and this is where I I, I find these. Conversations to be interesting and relevant and important, and their conversations. I think you and I were talking about this before we started recording. You have to have because all of our mental health is at stake when we do this job, especially when something like this comes. Yeah, and and this is something where I, I want to believe as humans, we're we're conditioned to want to turn away and say, oh, "I, I'll I'll find out what happened later." But as a journalist, your job is to turn in. And how do you wrestle with that reality? And, and then, and then know you have a job to do and, and kind of put the emotional side off.
1: Um, I'm not so good at putting the emotional side off. I'm, I'm the one who, you know, eyes will get teary when they're making these statements and telling you the facts, but I hope that we're providing a service for the community and letting them, you know, keeping them up to date, letting them know, as horrible as it was, that one person died. And at that time of day, thank God it wasn't just a little bit earlier, and that school was immediately letting out, letting them know there's one person, these were, in this person who allegedly committed this has been taken in, and there's no danger out there. There's not someone still on the road who can run into people. Okay. So I think, you know, just kind of sharing that those updates is important. And I frame it that way in my head. And then I can do the human thing later. And mm-hmm. And cry over it or talk about it or whatever we do to, to relieve some of that.
0: And to, to that end of, of, of doing the job and providing the service, and this story immediately went from you're going to be there as the local press to here comes the parachute press that's coming in. <laughs> and that's not
1: far off with the number of helicopters circling. Yeah,
0: so... How do you How do you continue to do your job when you look up and then see, okay, now I have to deal with not only getting my questions answered but having to deal with all of this other press and the circus the and, circus and and when the TV broadcast crews show up, it does become a circus. I mean it, it it I was watching the video you put out, and this guy asked the same question five times. And it was just like, what? The, the guy that jumped right in front of yeah, me? Yeah, the guy that yeah. jumped. And I was just like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like this, you're, you're not, but they don't care because they just need that clip and then they're done.
1: And then they're gone. And, yeah.
0: and, and, and so anyway, and, and I don't mean to knock that profession or that industry, it's just very different than what we do. And, and how, do you, how do you stay f- focused and say, okay, this is going to be here, now I need to do my job within that.
1: I think I think you just do it. Uh, luckily, because we're a newspaper, I didn't have to fight for the shot. You know, we did have Michael Coons, mm-hmm. complete professional, amazing photographer there, and so he did have to kind of you know get get in there. Um, so so luckily there's that, and I don't have to elbow anybody. But <laughs> not that I necessarily would, but, um, I, you know, we, we know we're going to be around, we're going to try and tell this story as it happens, but afterwards too, we're going to be with the community. We're part of the community and, and, you well, know, kind of know.
0: And how much of an advantage is that to you in that those sources that you need you've already pre-built those relationships with where you're not just coming in for that press conference to get all the information you need to put a story together i mean you said you mentioned earlier you saw uh school district officials that couldn't say anything but at that point you're already formulating what's going on if they're not talking you know right yeah a big story
1: yeah i think in in most cases not not all um that that there is an advantage and a disadvantage. We're Like I said, we're part of the community. And so when this happens in our community, it happens in my community. I live in Thousand Oaks. Mm. I grew up in Ventura County. This happened to my people. And so there's that hard bit about it. We take it personally. Um, but it also is I'm grieving with these people. And I, I think they know that because... I've been to the school board meetings. I've been to the city council meetings. We know each other. We may not, you know, go to Tarantula Hill and have a beer, but but we know, you know, we, we all care about the community. And after things happened, Mark McLaughlin came up and, you know, kind of, we talked about that there was going to be a... Notice going out to the Keno Valley Unified School District community, and we talked. So, so, I knew to look for that. I knew to that kind of thing. <laughs> Poor Mark. After I uh, learned that there was a fatality, I came back up to him, just gave him a hug, whether he was ready for it or not. Um, don't know how professional that was journal, journalistically, <laughs> but but that's part of being part of the community. I know with borderline. Same thing. You know, obviously, we had this onslaught mm-hmm. of uh, news from out of town, but because there's those established relationships, people feel comfortable talking with you, and they may call on the big news outlets. They're going to call on ABC and CNN and those during a press conference first, perhaps, um, but you get the follow up with them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's really the difference between what we do and and what they do, and even and I even what they. I mean, the Times was here; they were covering it, and I was watching a lot of their coverage as well. The L.A. Times, yeah, um, just as it was when Borderline happened. I mean, of course they showed up and they and they were here, and and uh, I. I, I will take a second to say I don't include them in that circus that I was trying to describe earlier.
1: Right. Um, yeah. On
0: the off chance anybody from the Times is listening, <laughs> um, they're what they're doing is d- very different than than what I was trying to describe earlier. So, um, but I do want to get into that discussion about community newspapers now, sure. and and how we would operate different than in L.A. Times, how we would operate differently than than most normal. Um, the most other media organizations Um, and that we are these people's neighbors. We live in the community. And aside from doing the podcast, I also do production on the newspapers mm-hmm. here. And the first thing I wanted to do was touch base with you and make sure that you and I were on the same page about how we were going to package this story and present it to the community on a front page on Friday.
1: Yes. And I know we talked about well, what photos are gonna be on the front page. What photos are we gonna include? Because we did have some photos coming in from the community members. One we might still use, I don't know. But but there was one uh just immediately after the accident, I could see the victims and right away we decided
0: it's not, that's yeah, not yeah.
1: That's not going in the paper. Yeah.
0: Correct. And and just the way we chose to to frame it. And artistically, the way I wanted to present that to the community was as as something that if the family of Wesley saw it, they would see that we were trying to pay tribute to him in our design. The story, of course, was the story.
1: Right. Of we what have to it, include the have, facts. Yeah. We have to include the driver's name.
0: But the way we choose to present it as a package we have a little more Liberty there. And that's, and that's where I think we, I, I wanted to make sure we were good community members at that point.
1: Right. Yeah. Our first story that went up online as, as breaking news tends to be is this happened, this happened, this yeah. happened. Then by Friday we could soften it a little bit. The, the lead went from a student was killed on Tuesday to, I think it, we started, you know, with the, the student's vigil, I mean, it was informal, mm-hmm. that there were flowers and candles left and in the memory of, of Wesley. And-, and, and those
0: were the Saturday, the Camarillo, Park and Simi Valley that come out Saturday, we had different
1: right, versions yes. of that
0: story as opposed to what Thousand Oaks would have seen on Friday. And, and And the fact that we had to do it that way was really why it was even more important for me to make sure we presented right, yeah,
1: it. the paper had like I said, you' just finished laying out yeah. the paper and you help with that, and then the rest of the production team, and then we came in. Wednesday morning and start you just tore it apart and started all over again things got left out things got moved around I mean other stories got left out
0: it's that rare moment where we have to operate like a daily newspaper when we get breaking news of that magnitude right so um I wanted to ask you in closing um what does it mean to you to be the editor of the Thousand Oaks Acorn? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, You've been on any, the job for a while now. I
1: didn't have any warning that one. Was no, coming. but what does it mean to
0: you? I mean, because this know, was your first story like that,
1: right? I, I knew, you know, at some point, big breaking news is going to come. I didn't expect it to come so early. Um, you know, it's it's a huge responsibility. Like I said, I live here, and I want to do my my adopted home city crowd um, i want to cover those big breaking news stories but i also want to cover what's going on over in Madrona this week what's you know we've got next week coming out a school celebrating its 50th anniversary in the community so you know if we want to tell all the stories we can't always get them in but but um hopefully we can do that and do it fairly and accurately and I know the community is not always going to agree with the way we cover something or our editorials um, or the letters in the ed- to the editor. Um, we publish just about everything that comes in. That's the, the uh Lisa and Jim rules who rule own the paper. That's that's their policy and we do it, um, as long as it follows our guidelines. So um, and I think it's important to give all voices room. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, before we end, new uh, this morning, at least new to us on the GoFundMe page, Eric Paul, who's been kind of the spokesperson for, for the family, at least um, on the mother's side, on Kelly's side, posted that there will be a public memorial service that will take place at Calvary Community as well on May 13th at 10 a.m. The church is at 5495 via Rocos in Westlake Village, and they're inviting all members of the community to come. So I wanted to, to put that out there. And the GoFundMe page uh, is still active. You can just Google GoFundMe and Wesley Welling and, and get to that if anyone wants to support the family financially.
0: Okay, Becca. Well, I, I appreciate you getting that update in, uh, and I think we'll definitely include that in the show notes and, and put a link in there so people can can find the GoFundMe and and know where to go if they if they want to attend the memorial. But um, I appreciate your time and coming in and chatting with me about this. I know it was a hard story for you to cover emotionally, yeah. so um, thank you for discussing it with me again and discussing it with our listeners. And I hope our listeners got an opportunity to kind of peel back the curtain and find out what journalists experience when stories like this happen. So thank you so much for your time, Becca.
1: You bet. Thanks for having me.